Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. As always, we will thank our friends New Iberia, Louisiana. Louisiana hot sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Put it on pizza, put it on leftovers, put it on eggs. It will work. It will uh, come with the full authentic backing for Bud and I, and we've ever been so fortunate to be able to work with them. And I thank you as always, Bud. We've got a little bit of scrimmage talk, uh, although we'll frame most of this episode around listener questions, buy or sell questions. Um, so we'll, we'll jump straight into it. A busy time for Florida State Athletics, but I dare to jinx us, but I think this will be almost a totally sports-related podcast. So how about that? Let's do it. Uh, no guessing as to pandemic or anything else, at least on the sheet that we have. So uh, let's jump into it. Look forward to it as always. And with that, we'll begin the Nolcast. Let's do it, man. Excited. Some, uh, some cool, you know, fun news tonight. Congrats to Deontay Sheffield on getting a scholarship. So, saw that news uh, on Knowles 24-7. And uh, I assume that Florida State actually announced that as well. So congrats uh, to Sheffield on getting a scholarship. What is this? Fourth or fifth year, I think, in the program. Uh, walk on from Niceville. It's an interesting use of a scholarship tactically, but it's uh, it, it's a PR story that is is going to play extremely well with the fan base. I, I would say that Sheffield is probably the most popular walk on on the team. Uh, so, uh, you know, with, with that, uh, good good for them and, and and good for him. All positive news around pretty much tonight uh, for the most part. Yeah, no, I'm really excited for him. I don't, I don't mean to circle back to this again, but if you're not familiar with his social media efforts, he's uh, he's probably the most aggressive recruiter on the team. Now that doesn't necessarily always translate to the most effective, but certainly, uh, certainly tries real hard. It looks like, and Hey, look, anytime you got old, old logo tattooed on your bicep and you end up getting a scholarship out of it. Uh, I am very happy for a young man. So congratulations to him and certainly worked, worked quite hard to get it. And that's a great thing to see. And, and it was something I think he expected, uh, to get from the last staff, but obviously like, like the, the discussions of the scholarship were made between he and Jimbo staff, which shows you just how far his, uh, you know, like pseudo recruitment uh, went, and you know, staffs aren't really obligated to fulfill scholarship promises to walk-ons that the prior staff uh, made. So, good news there for for Sheffield. Uh, does make me wonder just how many spots they'll have left as far as scholarships go, if any. I don't know that they're going to be under the limit now uh, that uh, now that they have Sheffield on scholarship. So that could foreclose the chance that you get any more transfers prior uh, to uh, prior to the season starting. Not that I was really expecting any anyway at this point. Uh, other good news, Keyshawn Helton and Corey Durden uh, back as full participants, according to Mike Norvell today in his press conference. So that's excellent news right there. Uh, they, you know, they had been held out uh, of parts of fall camp, parts of the scrimmages. And Keyshawn Helton is a, I think it's going to be going to be a very important part of this offense. As we know, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, but your your third year receiver is extremely dependable. Understands how to get open. I think uh, when you're facing teams that are, that are going to play a lot of zone, uh, he's quite valuable in terms of finding the holes in those zone, understanding coverage concepts, know where, knowing where to sit down, uh, and on you know man, man coverage when you run those little underneath option routes. He's very difficult uh, if you get matched him or if you're able to match him up on a backer or a safety. So I think Keyshawn Hilton coming back is very, very good for this team, especially you know coming off the surgery. And I would say especially because how many dependable receivers do you think you have on this team? 
Yeah. I mean, when I think of, of Keyshawn Helton at this point, um, just think of production. I mean, and there's not too many other people on the roster that could give it to you. And uh, he's pretty multifaceted. He can, you know, give you some flexibility in what he does. He also, and I didn't realize this, although I do remember a lot of it coming against ULM, I didn't realize he had the, like a 29-yard average kickoff return uh, last year. So that's, uh, I think that was over. It's not a small, there's enough of a sample size for that to actually be something there. So, um, you know, not the most explosive athlete, but certainly really fluid, uh, does a great job of making space. And, and like you, or, or like I said, there's a, there's production that's associated with Helton, which if you take Terry out of the conversation, uh, you can't really associate with too many other wide receivers on the roster. I would agree. Corey Durden, also back. As we know, he had a little off-season surgery there, and Corey Durden, if he's healthy, is your other starter at defensive tackle next to Marvin Wilson. Uh, that unit just continues to receive praise from the coaching staff consistent from the first and second scrimmages. In the second scrimmage, didn't have quite as many starters play. It was you know, sort of a battle of the backups at, at some spots and, and a bit of a hodgepodge, which is actually, A, I think intentional to avoid injury, B, an excellent idea because the chance that you have guys missing games this year with, uh, with virus-related quarantine is extremely high. We've talked about this before. Like You actually need to get in there and rep, rep your threes, rep your fours, rep some of your walk-ons that you think are potentially going to have to play for you. Uh, and rep them next to some starters, just just to understand how different combinations look, get them some actual experience in a scrimmage. Uh, but good to get Corey Durden back as well, uh, an impact defensive tackle for them, and a guy who has some real pass rush ability. You know, wh- whereas some of your D tackles uh, up front are are more of the run stopping type. I, I do think a, a Corey Durden and maybe a Fabian Lovett uh, can give you some pass rushing ability there from the interior. And we know this team needs pass rush for sure. And Yes, it does need to come from the outside, but also some pass rush that comes from the inside would be a great help here. So, good news. I think I saw somewhere over the summer where Durden was uh, maybe led the led the nation in uh, in pass rush from the interior. So, exceptionally talented when it comes to that aspect of his game. And just to you know, you got to give that kid credit. It's somebody that we've talked about for a long time, talked about as a recruit, and has grown into a, uh, a you know a vital part of the defense and. Good to see him back and on the uh, verge of having a, a really productive season. So uh, defensive line is exceptionally talented. You know, we, we have to kind of read every update about how well they're, they're playing right now and have it in the back of their mind as to who they're going against and how much the coaching staff is really able to take away from that. But any unit that can add Durden back to the ranks is one that's only made, only made stronger. This is a pretty good transition, though, into our buy-or-sell topics. And we asked for some buy-or-sell topics. We asked for some listener questions, both in our Apple uh, pa- Apple podcast review section and in our Patreon question section, our membership page, and on, on Twitter. You know, We're not really on Facebook, but Twitter, email, whatever, Instagram. We got a lot, dude. We, we, we actually had to kind of pare this down some. As always, we do give preference to our Patreon uh, subscribers. So very much thank, thank them. And uh, so if you're a Patreon person, the chance you get your question uh, answered is much higher than if you just email us, but we do appreciate uh, all forms of communication and support for this show. Uh, speaking of support, you know, it's been a long time supporter of ours, Madison Social. And it, I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from them on Instagram, on Twitter. It looks like they're, they're hashtag back, man. Like they're, they're look, looks like they're, they're doing good business. They're, they're, they got the mimosas out that they got they got the drink cards out. They're serving the burgers. It just it feels good. 
Like I know there won't be a ton of fans in the stands this year, but it just some things just kind of you know you you feel that like first morning of of cold air, right? You're like, oh, okay, that's a little football for you. And you you, you see the you see Madso on Instagram, you see your friends posting about it. You're like, all right, we're doing this thing. Let's go. It is a uh, it is a comforting thing to see, and Matt and his team have done a great job. And I know they've you know done a a deep dive into how to be able to you know, serve the burgers, serve the mimosas and and do all those things that we have such positive associations with and also do it in as safe a manner as possible. So hats off to them. Also want to thank our listener, Ryan Hines, uh, went in, looked like he had the chicken and waffles over the weekend. Uh, first time visitor to Madso and mentioned that on Twitter. And uh, Ryan, I appreciate it. Anybody who was able to do that. It's just great uh, for us to see and great for our sponsors to be able to see. So uh, a tip of the hat to you guys. And with that, uh, we'll jump into these by ourselves. So the first one comes from Colton, uh, and his was, as you referenced, can the offensive line get back to below average this year? So basically, Colton asked the question, uh, are we on track to the long-range development plan that Bud and I kind of laid out in fall of 2018, where the the want for this year was to be average or at least below average? Man, I really believed it, and maybe I'll be wrong on this, but I'm I'm going to sell. I, I, I think that, that Florida State does have an extremely talented interior defensive line, but I, I don't know that, that I believe this group will be above average. And I, I think I, it, it bears looking into why I think I'm going to be wrong about my prediction that this group can get to below average, right? Maybe they can, but I, I think they'll be just you know, slightly below, below average, uh, which is disappointing because they've gone from just horrible to bad. Uh, from you know, 2018 to 2019, or very bad potentially, uh, and then you know you'd expect to see another jump being made. But I, I do think that this is the group in which you will see the greatest impact of a lack of offseason show up. Right? Uh, it's the group that has the greatest potential to either put on bad weight or lose muscle if they're not able to get uh, either the right kind of calories or enough. Of the right kind of calories, uh, and you know, they had kind of a digital off season, and that's this is a group that, that certainly needs pushing. It's already a group that that lacks talent, and it's a group that's had four coaches in a four year span. Which I think is that the only position group on the team that's had four different coaches in four years. So may, maybe QBs too, yeah, because it, it would it would have been you know Jimbo, Walt Bell slash Willie, uh, technically Kendall. So, yeah, I, I, you're exactly right there. I, I have my doubts this group's going to get to below average, but I will say this is sort of a reluctant sell in that I don't think they're going to be way like below the below average mark. I, I just I have a little bit of a tough time seeing them get there. I, I don't really love the depth they have, and I just I kind of question the talent and the development at, at, at this position group some. So for those reasons, and I mean, look, the, the reports out of the scrimmage where they just got dominated. We can say that's mental problem, like like not mental problem, like mental errors. We, we can say it's a lack of cohesion. I mean, there's also, which potentially it is, but that's also potentially a concern of mine because we know Mike Norvell's offense in, employs more blocking schemes, more different blocking schemes than they had last year, which was a much simpler system uh, for them. I mean, it was just, you know, it's just more difficult uh, to, to master. And they've had no spring or very limited spring and no real true summer season to, to work together and, and, and work on this. I mean, Zoom is just simply not the same. So for that reason, I'm going to sell. But honestly, man, I could flip it and buy and just, and just say, look, I, I'm not super committed, you know, like super committed to this sell. 
understand. Uh, I, th- I think when I see the coach start to talk about freshmen starting, it scares me. Uh, you know, we mentioned this, I think, last podcast. It's one thing to come in and look at tape. It's one thing to see the things that think you can clean up immediately to think that you're going to get better buy-in from kids. And then there's a whole nother when you actually put on pads and you start to see what the other side of the line of scrimmage does to your guys. And you get a real feel for, my Lord, these really are the pieces that I have to work with. And it's a long, long road to improvement. So uh, I think there's a little bit of a, you know, just a, a better understanding as to what this project's going to be. And, and if we're talking openly about freshmen starting on the offensive line outside of the offensive line, then that's a, that's going to be a tough unit to get even to below average. So uh, I don't mean to be repetitive or redundant, but at this point I am probably going to sell and say uh, that they don't quite reach that of which the, uh, the task that we laid out for them. So we'll see. All right. Uh, so Let's have a follow-up one, and I'll read this. This comes from Patreon user Mark, uh, and he writes, Buy or sell, the staff is truly happy with the quarterbacks like they seem to be in the last press conference. Uh, yeah, I'll lead us off here. I, you know, I think this is sincere. Uh, I think the quarterback situation is not uh, is not perfect, and nobody's blown away in the idea that you know they've got great pieces, but uh, I think the staff likes where they are with James. Uh, the idea that you know Chuba sustained the injury that he did is is a tough one to swallow, and it certainly takes him out of the running, in my opinion, uh, at least to be a starter. Uh, you know, have that conversation. Uh, but I think they've been impressed with what Rotomaker has shown so far. And then uh, we actually have a question about Travis on here, so uh, we don't want to get too lost in that. But there seems to be like some positive talk about Jordan Travis, but also some ambiguity as to his status as well. So I don't, you know, uh, he said he's, he's done a good job and he's, uh, he's, but he's going through some things right now and uh, that he expects to see him out there competing. So I don't, I don't, that's not verbatim. I don't want to put words in Norvell's mouth, but that's a, that's kind of an idea as to where he said Travis was so far. So I do think it's legitimate. Uh, I think they like where they are with Blackman at the same time. They realize they got a lot of work to do with the position. I'm going to buy like Ingram and I, I, people will give me help for this, but I'm, I'm going to kind of caveat it a little bit uh, in that if, if they were judging their progress compared to like where they expected to be with a normal off season, I think this would be a hard sell, right? Cause you haven't had Jordan Travis in your scrimmages. You had, you know, Chubba Purdy got the name right this time. Uh, Chubba Purdy break his collarbone in a scrimmage. And your backup is a true freshman, and your your starter is a guy that you've been able to work with for probably what twelve practices now in total, maybe, and no summer seven on seven. I don't think they're happy with the situation. I think they're happy with the pieces, as far as what I was responding to. But yeah, I I, I exactly. So for, for that reason, I'm I'm going to buy, and because no other coaching staff out there really had a well, can't say can't say none, but most other coaching staffs out there did not have a full spring. You know, did not have summer seven on seven stuff, uh, and so everybody's kind of working with with the same uh, circumstance this year. The only real differentiator is if you had like a bunch of returning starters and and returning pieces there, which obviously Florida State didn't, uh, especially with, with with the new offense. But I do think overall that they are pleased with the status of the position relative to the limitations that they're dealing with right now, like we said, with with Travis and with Purdy. I, I think that they believe that Blackman has taken some steps 
But I also think your point, Ingram, is really good that you can do all this stuff in practice. And then once the bullets start flying, you're like, oh my God. Like, how did he do that? How did that happen? Right. This kind of goes back to the, you know, can you really change a guy's motion? And a lot of coaches now will tell you, eh, by the time these guys get to college, especially they've been in college, you're not really going to change their mechanics very effectively. You can change them in practice when the guy's thinking about his mechanics in practice that day. But in the actual games, when things get tight, it's like the Tim Tebow thing. They tried to fix his, his motion. Guess what happened? Like, he looked great in training camp in the NFL. And all of a sudden, when it came time for live bullets, boom, went back to the exact same thing. So I'm a little bit skeptical about the black and mechanical changes, like actually taking and, and holding, especially because they really haven't had a whole lot of time to work with them. Although I, I know he probably you know, does some private quarterback coaching stuff, which could help potentially because it's, it's more, more time to work with. That's a long-winded answer, but I'm going to go ahead and buy that they're pretty happy with, with the quarterbacks, uh, especially relative to the circumstances. Next uh, question comes from one of our newer Patreons. Uh, Christopher kind of melted down his question uh, to this. If UNC or Duke choose to opt out of sports, the rest of the league will follow by or sell, bud. Ooh, okay. I, uh, man, I'm just one of them. This is a tough, this is a good question. This is why we picked it, I'm sure. I think, I think I'm going to buy. Yeah. Like if, if UNC didn't play or if Duke didn't play, I, I think they have enough sway to say, hey, no, man. Like if they're not, those aren't going to play, then I think you could see some dominoes get knocked down to where you have like a Cuse and a Boston College and a Pitt and maybe a UVA. My opinion would be that if UNC doesn't play, it will take all the other North Carolina schools out almost immediately, with the exception of maybe Duke. And if Duke doesn't play, then yeah, I think you see Hughes, Boston College. I think you see those guys back out almost immediately. So in my opinion, they kind of start different cascades, but they'd both probably end up with the same uh, the same outcome. Now, this is going to be something that I saw Bud post on Twitter today. So I am uh, openly piggybacking off of it, but I know people responded negatively, or at least some did, but the idea that Duke was going to start the, the sports season without fans. Hey, if you had heard some of the chattering that has come out of Durham over the last two months, the idea that they're even openly posting about starting sports is a very, very good sign. So, uh, you know, take it, take the positive when there is one to be offered there. And, uh, the fact that the, the noble gentleman and Duke continue to uh, to be okay with athletics going on is a uh, is a big damn deal to getting this conference off the ground, and that's that's nothing but a positive. Yeah, I, I quote tweeted it, and I pointed out the the part of the sentence that said, "Sports start in the fall." Like, guys, this is the key. I don't give a damn if there are twelve thousand fans at Duke or zero thousand fans at Duke. Like, the fact that they're playing is a big damn deal to me. So, yeah, that, that that's a that's a solid buy for me. Uh, let's go ahead and go to Thomas here. Thomas uh, throws one and he says, Jordan Travis takes 18 snaps as a quarterback this year. Yeah, good one. Uh, a good one from Thomas. I think this was a an email or so. As we said, we certainly try to look at everything and, and choose uh, as much as possible. And, and Thomas, I thought this was a really good number. I'll buy. I'll take, I'll take the over uh, 18 snaps or more. Here, I just think that Travis offers you too much of a, a unique skill set that you don't have, particularly depending on what Purdy's timeline looks like. Now, there's some recency bias here, and the, and the recency bias is the last Florida State game that we saw. 
Travis was maybe the most explosive offensive you know option they had. So I, I don't want to be you know I don't want to be too dependent upon that of which I last witnessed. But I do think that you've got an athlete there that uh, has a skill set that you just don't have many other places. And and uh, I think this coaching staff will will plug and use pieces as possible. And in my opinion, uh, Travis is unique of a enough of a piece to to get 18 snaps at quarterback. And when we were talking to Coach Dillingham today, he he said, look, this offense is about it's about playmakers and it's about players. And it's our job to focus the offense around the players. And so we have to coach around some deficiencies. You have to try try to highlight some strengths and 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 put those combinations together in such a way that allows you to win football games. I think Jordan Travis is a part of that recipe. Now this assumes he doesn't opt out with, with you know for like you know COVID safety concerns or, or or whatever. So assuming that he actually gets into the season, then I'm going to go ahead and and, and buy this. I, I think it's a it's a good question, but I mean this is only like two snaps a game. They're going to run probably close to seventy plays a game. It's essentially just and assuming that you get more than two snaps in a wildcat series if you want to, which i think is kind of disrespectful to, to for me to call him wildcat because it, it, he's a quarterback he just offers kind of different dimensions than the other QBs and, and look Rodemaker clearly looks like the number 2 quarterback right now but let's just say per series how many how many snaps are you going to average per series four maybe like even if you're not good four is not that bad that means you only really need to need to run five series of Jordan Travis in in order to to hit this number. I I think assuming he actually plays the season, that this this will happen. So I'm going to go ahead and buy. I got one for you here, and this is actually from you, so this is pretty cool. Uh, it says the logo the Nolcast logo appears on Hank Lebiota visor when he wins a major in the next five years. Obviously said in jest, the the Nolcast uh, does not quite have the change that is. Uh, necessary to to get on anybody's visor at this point and i'm not sure we will in the next five years either but uh hey just wanted to send a shout out to hank he did a did a facebook chat today uh with the nolcast t-shirt on and that was awesome to see a great listener of ours for a long time and it's been awesome to see him kind of climb up the ladder and uh excited to see what the rest of that ladder climb looks like even if uh, we won't have the financial resources to put the old logo on his visor uh, Hank, your listenership's really appreciated, and congratulations on a successful year. Yeah, so they, they were giving a shout out uh, to their friend Curtis Luck, who who had a, had a win on the Corn Ferry Tour, and they, they had an old picture of him. So uh, he and his wife Mary, and and Hank Hank's rocking the uh, the, the Nolcast T shirt on there. By the way, shout out to Hank, man. Like I, I know Florida State Golf is doing extremely well on the PGA Tour. You obviously have Kepka, you you have Daniel Berger, got a couple other guys, and you know. Hank doesn't get talked about quite as much, uh, but top 140 in the FedEx Cup. He's on the verge of being top 300 in, in, in the in the world golf rankings. Played well enough to actually keep his PGA Tour card. He's got some top 20s, some T5s, over a million in earnings. I mean, Hank Lebiota is is a grinder, dude, and uh, he's a big fan of the Nolcast, so we we very much appreciate that. And uh, I tell you, we we, we got to get Mary some Nolcast gear too, for sure. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, shout out to Hank and uh, appreciate you listening, buddy. We will uh, we'll actually get back here to the show with with Sarah. Uh, and Sarah says, FSU's edge rushers 
will be a strength. I, I think a lot of these questions that, that got sent in via Patreon and, and via email are sort of reacting to what happened in the scrimmage over the weekend, right? Because we, we saw uh, you know, a clip of, of Griffiths. The IMG guy. Yeah, Josh Griffiths. You know, saw a clip that FSU released on Twitter of him uh, getting a tackle for loss in the backfield where, eh, I don't know, kind of just looks like a run blitz to me because you, you got Lundy coming on the outside too and there's really nowhere for Blackman or the back to go with the ball. But uh, coaches have praised him, I think, after both scrimmages now and certainly a couple times after practice. Uh, so Josh Griffiths is a guy that we, uh, I thought, had a uh, high floor Kind of questionable ceiling because I, I wasn't sure about his get off. Uh, it looks like he might be flashing for them some edge rushers. We I think came into this fall camp with some skepticism. Is fair to say. Uh, but so the question from Sarah: Buy or sell? If issues edge rushers will be a strength. I'll, I'll throw this to Ingrid first. Yeah, I'll buy with a, with a very strong caveat that uh, that Kando's health is intact and and stays that way. Uh, but I think you got a a really motivated guy who. Um, you know, I know we've mentioned this ad nauseum, but anytime you get a kid that signs with you, he was a top 10 national prospect. You got to try to get as much out of him as possible as you do with any player. But those are just pieces that you don't get all the time. And uh, I think <clears throat> staff's done a good job overall. I think he's gotten decent. One of the few people that's come through here over the past couple of years, that's got decent coaching, not, not world-class, but uh, has enough of a, doesn't have a coaching deficit maybe is the term that we've used at other position groups. Um, so I think it's a money year for him. I think Janarius will continue to, uh, to make improvement, but will probably be kind of hot or cold, uh, when it comes, I think your consistency comes from Kando and then, yeah, um, you know, maybe old, uh, old big country gives you some, some freshman reps that, uh, add some explosiveness. Uh, maybe you're able to do some, you know, some of the, the things that we've talked about with some of the hybrid players, giving you some pressure off the end. But to me, this, this question boils down to if Kando's healthy, uh, then I'm a, I'm a buy here. And, and maybe in a, a level of aggressive buyer that I would have had a hard time foreseeing four or five months ago. I think we're going to have some disagreement. I'm, I'm going to sell. I, I understand your buy. Uh, and maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe, maybe Kando will actually burst onto the scene and be a dominant force. Uh, and and stay healthy throughout the year. I mean, part of part of the reason why he's not had the career that I think we wanted him to have so far, and I'm sure he wanted to have, is simply because he's you know had trouble staying on the field due to injury at times, and that's really through no fault of his own. I, I'm pretty sure the guy works hard. With Janarius, I, I agree with you. I, I think we know largely what we're going to get. I, I don't hear any real whispers from my sources that he's on on the verge of having a breakout year. I think he's just a a solid starter. At, at an ACC program like Florida State, which is in the middle of, of a rebuild. I mean, I don't think he's a dominant force, uh, but he's a guy who can play the run well, can set the edge. He just, you know, does he have that explosion uh, to, you know, to, to rush off the edge and be a great pass rusher? I'll, I'll, t- I'll throw a guy in here who I'm, I'm intrigued by, especially, and I, I was talking to Brendan Sinone of, of Knowles 24-7 about this the other day, and you know, we were talking about Kalen Deloach, and I said, the thing is, and we talked about this on Knollcast a lot, the backers need to be better in coverage, a whole lot better. They, they, they got eight up last year in coverage. If Deloach is good enough to maybe start for you, then maybe you can use Gaynor as more of a pass rushing role, which is something he excelled at in high school. We, we saw him excel, you know, excel at that spot during camps. I think he has the ability to have the burst and the bend off the edge to maybe affect the passer. Maybe Gaynor is a guy 
who could make me eat my words here uh, when, when I sell that the edge rushers will be a strength. But I, I just, I take the reports from practice about the edge rushers dominating with, with just an enormous grain of salt. You know, you, you got Washington who didn't have a ton of an offseason because he was coming off an injury. You have Love Taylor at another offensive tackle spot. I'm not saying Florida State's going to have the two worst offensive tackles in the league for the third straight year because that's what it would be if they did. But they're certainly not strengths. And I do question how many of these opposing offensive tackles for State's guys are really going to dominate. So interior defensive line, you guys can't see me on video right now. Ingram can. That's two thumbs up. Edge rushers, kind of, kind of not totally buying into this. Good, 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 good that we have different perspectives on that one. Uh, George asked a question about the NFL draft. Was uh, glad to see this one. Uh, he says Florida State has two players drafted in the top fifty of the 2021 draft. Bud, you buying or selling that? I've got one. Yeah, I think we've I think we've all got one we can build off of, and then. Question becomes who would be the second? Obviously, Terry's a name that you're going to think about. I think the only other person that would do that is if he has a good season. Uh, well, I mean, look, you know, maybe Asante, maybe if Kando has a great year. Yeah, that would be great for us to talk about him being a top 50 pack. Uh, the, the third guy who has a legitimate chance is Hamza, in my opinion. Uh, but he's going to have to play. He's going to have to be healthy and he's going to have to, you know, put on tape that he can. One, be the explosive athlete that he's always been, and then probably be a little bit better in, in coverage, depending on what team's drafting them and how they're trying to use him. So I think that you have three players that are, I don't want to say legitimate options, but uh, are the most likely that would be uh, Wilson's almost certainly a top 50 pick. Terry is, is kind of in the eye of the beholder. Uh, there's people that love him, and then Hamza's intriguing, but would need a, need a pretty good documentation of productivity. You sold? Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna sell simply because like are there are there any are are you confident all those guys we listed are, are top three rounders? Or are you more confident that they're all like getting drafted rounders? Because I'm kind of in the latter camp there. Uh, I think if if Hamza has no further injury concerns, then I'm fairly confident all three of those guys are top three top three uh, round picks. Yes. I think if you're confident that all three of those are top three round picks, the odds say you need to go ahead and buy this, in my opinion, because like somebody would get bumped up if we're that confident that all you know, the, all those other guys are are you know basically top top one hundred. Oh, I know this because I actually bet on the number uh, to get drafted <laughs> in the first round. This does not surprise me. Uh, please, yeah, yeah. You had you had two guys from Bama. You had the LSU guy. You had the Oklahoma guy. I think you had the dude from Arizona State, Brandon Brandon Ayuk, and then you had uh, I think one. Other, I think we had six total in the first round, and then a couple went like mid second round. So I think we had like eight or nine guys go. I will buy this. Uh, is Terry one of the top eight wide receivers on the board? I think so. Don't you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So I'm I'm going to buy this. I'm one. kind of in the camp where people are like, "Oh, he's the top receiver in America." I'm like, eh, no, pretty sure that's Jamar Chase. Uh, maybe somebody else, but I, I don't think he's the top receiver in America. But I do think that. His size-speed combo and his proven ability to create big plays. Uh, and, hell, there are more plays in which he's open and doesn't really get the ball because the quarterback's flat on his back because they, you know, he's been sacked very quickly. Uh, so that's, that's probably a smart buy by you. I'm, I'm a little bit 
I'm a little bit less high on on some of those dudes, I, I think. But I'm not like, I don't know, man. Maybe I should be buying this. I, I'll, I'll stick with my sell because I already said it. But uh, anyway, speaking of buying and selling, Legendary Home Loans is the spot you need to go for your financing. And I actually went somewhere last week. Uh, I was going to FedEx to ship off our latest round of shirts as we rapidly approach 80 loans and refis through Legendary Home Loans, thanks to our friend Shannon Young and Chad. And I I looked at the addresses, and I I always write everybody a personal note in there and and throw a a Louisiana hot sauce koozie, uh, assuming I have some in stock and in the package. And if you guys have done one of your loans, you know what I'm talking about. And I saw saw an address that was very close to my house and close to my gym. I was like, well, damn, I'm not going to spend $18 to send to FedEx when I could just drop this off. And so I just Went over it and, and I met Charles, didn't get to meet Cynthia, but uh, congrats to Charles and Cynthia on the purchase of their new home. And uh, they received their Noel Cash shirts. And it was, you know, and after that, I made my way over to FedEx. So look, there's a reason Noel Cash listeners love legendary home loans. And you guys need to give them a shout. 844-FSU-LOAN. It's 844-FSU-LOAN. When you do, great prices, great service. You get hooked up with a little Noel's chat as well. And with that, let's go ahead and get back into the show here. I do have to report something, by the way. We've been doing this for about 10 years. Normally, I would say if somebody screws up the order uh, in which we go down the outline, the odds that it's Ingram are probably like 90-10. Right? Would you agree? Never. Okay. No, it either screws up the flow of the outline or does not build the outline in the manner that Bud is familiar with. Uh, it's not as though... Somehow we go from like bullet points to like one, two, three, A. I'm like, wait, what? how did... It's not as though Bud and I ever really yell at each other, but I, I do hear a tone in his voice when reviewing the outline sometimes when I put it together, just like, why? Why Why did we do it like this? Why does it... I think we'll be able to make our way through the show with it. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm almost always the guilty party. Tonight, that was me. I, I skipped ahead like three questions somehow, so... Uh, let's go ahead and get back here to Tony's question. And Tony asks, uh, hey, do either of you think that the Seminole Boosters will be more innovative to get support from out-of-state alum or fans, uh, or even those who live far away in South Florida? I.e., is it possible to do some streaming packages, potentially uh, one or two game premium ticket packages, exclusive content uh, or access, etc.? I, I guess we're kind of done with the... Uh, with the buy or sell portion a little bit, or we, we could buy this or sell this and then discuss why I'm sure I'll buy you buying. I think I'll buy the idea that there's certainly some innovation to be, to take place. Now um, this isn't a perfect idea because one seminal boosters don't control like the media rights uh, to their games. But for example, if you're a season ticket holder of, of the fan that I'm or the team I'm a fan of in Scotland, and they're not able to go back to their games right now. But they, um, with your season ticket, you now get an online pass, and they've put on a super uh, professional and, and elaborate pregame and postgame show uh, at the level of which they've never done. They've always had like Rangers TV, which is what the, the thing that I'm referring to, but they've built this out in a manner that I've, I've never seen before, and, and it's a much more polished product. I could see something like that. And, you know, again, it's hard for me to to declare this because the boosters don't own the distribution rights of the games and stuff like that. But I could see them doing in a more elaborate, um, you know, maybe you get, you know, Charlie Ward and work done to do the pregame or something like, you know, I'm just throwing names out there. You could you can certainly draw upon some of the uh, the names that have put on the uniform in the past and 
and try to build out a little bit more of an online package with the idea that if you're able to have fans there, eh, that number is probably going to be somewhere between 15 and 21,000 that are let in. So, um, you know, you're going to have a lot of people that are watching online and, and watching from afar uh, more than ever. And it wouldn't shock me to see the boosters try to build out some kind of platform to take advantage of that. I agree, man. I, I think that's why I would buy the streaming packages is, is the clear limitation here, uh, which I can't buy that. Your idea about involving X players, though, I mean, if you can kind of package that with X players, talk about those games that they were in. They, they actually used to do this. You remember we used to have Sunshine Network? I, I, I don't think it's a thing anymore. Oh, I, I loved it. I loved it. It was, uh, you could get it in, in Georgia and it was, man, it was, uh, <laughs> it was uh, the best way to keep up with Florida state athletics. And man, you got a level of Florida state baseball that I'm afraid will never be replicated on that thing. But yeah, no, that was, that was a great, uh, great little thing to have access to growing up. I feel like every weekend you, you'd turn it on, you know, like, so as a kid, I either watched like Saturday morning cartoons fishing with uh was it roland martin yeah <laughs> that good old boy yeah it would ki- kiss the bass or whatever bill bill dance and and, and some other you know the, the guy with the big old tennessee hat and a couple other guys yeah. i think it was roland martin that's the guy i'm thinking of or you, you turn on sunshine and maybe it was actually on the same channel and came on afterwards it's it's been a minute since i was, I was that age uh but they would almost always have like some kind of crazy old, old show where they're like having you know FSU players from the 80s or 70s reviewing a classic game. Like, I do think that, that fans would watch that. And I think if by some chance we did have the season get canceled, if you had that kind of thing dialed up and ready to go, I think people would absolutely watch it. You could probably have an online watch party where, where people you know, watch that and then they're commenting on, on Facebook, if you did it on Facebook Live or some other platform, um, especially if you did it just for, just for boosters. You could actually potentially, I think, get some people to go to a booster club event uh, and 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 enjoy that uh, and and talk about those games. I know that's been done some, but I think you could, you could leverage that a little bit more. Premium ticket packages for sure are something that I know that they already do and, and will probably expand. Uh, not in terms of the number of games, but just the, the offerings and the different offerings you could do. Especially because FSU is a hard place to get to. So you know, making it a thing where look, you're a decent sized booster and you're going to game, two, three games a year is, is got to be uh, one of the impetus for, for this new booster administration. So yeah, I, I think that's a solid buy. Here's one that we really couldn't fit a buy or sell format into. Uh, and it comes from Brian. I'll, I'll, I'll throw this to you first. Who will get more snaps at quarterback this year? DJ Matthews, Travis J, Trevor Purdy, or Tate Rodemaker? So I'll take Jay out of the mix immediately, at least my own personal thought. Am all in favor of Travis J getting as many snaps possible, and to that end, I would probably not even want to risk him at quarterback uh, unless he was an absolute emergency. Who will get more snaps? I'm going to put my name on Rodemaker at this point. Uh, would have been Purdy without the injury. I think Rodemaker will just uh, be in a place to get snaps from day one. I don't know that Purdy's necessarily a redshirt care, uh, candidate. But if Rodemaker gets firmly established as the number two and keeps at his, then I'm just going to stay with the traditional method of try to find your number two and pick him as the guy that'll get the most snaps out of this uh, kind of alternate list. I, I think uh, I think that's fair. I'm 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 going to go Rodemaker too. Uh, with for my choice, Rodemaker simply because of Purdy is 
hurt right now and he's not getting the benefit of fall camp. He wasn't here for spring camp. And so, I mean, I'm not saying he won't play this year. I think he actually will play this year, but there, there's a non-zero chance that he ends up redshirting. I'm going to put you on the spot here for, for a question, which is not on our sheet. And it's something I've, I've been kind of kicking around in my head at work this week. With the NCAA approving an extra year of eligibility for everybody, are there any seniors on this roster who you don't think are, are like likely high draft picks who you would like to see come back? Basically two senior years, you know? I mean, James comes to mind. <laughs> That's really about it that I can immediately think of guys that are you know, legitimate possibilities to not not go to the league. Maybe Janarius? Yeah, I was thinking maybe J-Rob. Like, if uh, if Coach Atkins is able to get something out of Baby on Johnson this year, I mean, do you think, like, you know, maybe maybe having a, a, a sixth year of Baby on Johnson could be nice? It feels like Baby on Johnson is that we're destined to be mentioning him in 2024 at this point. But, yeah, no, it would be uh, – I think that would be another good candidate. Absolutely. I actually do think this could help some of your offensive linemen. I mean, so Brady Scott's going to be a redshirt junior this year. This ruling means that he could actually have three more seasons. I think Brady Scott might be a player. How are they going to work this? uh, Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you. And I I know it's a complicated question. How are they going to work this out with scholarship limitations, with Title IX? It just seems like there's a lot of flex required for a system that doesn't have a lot of flexibility built into it. Yeah, I I think that some of the inflexibility of the system of the NCAA is purposefully done to make it seem like they're not able to adapt to things and they have to keep the like amateurism system in place and keep costs down. But I think when it comes to this, this is a PR battle for them that they don't want to be on the losing side of because they're asking kids to play during the COVID thing. I mean, the whole real, the whole reason for this new rule uh, is basically because I think they realized, wait a second, the only kids we're giving, giving extra eligibility to is the kids who opt out. Like that, that's disincentivizing them from, from playing. And so they ended up, you know, get, giving you an opt, like an opt, the kids who opt in to play uh, are also going to get, the extra eligibility. I've seen some stuff kicked around that basically how they'll do this is that anybody who's a senior on your roster doesn't count against the scholarship count, assuming that they were actually on the roster during COVID, which I think would solve the math on that. But okay, how about this? Like, what what about Hamsa? Right? Like, like what if Hamsa doesn't end up having the season that that we know he wants to have? Like, is he a guy who could elect to come back for an extra senior year? Um, what about Emmett Rice? You know, Emmett Rice. Mm, Rice is a good name. I would, I would find it hard to find a situation where Hamza return. I'd love it. I mean, I, he's he's probably the most explosive player you have on defense, and is uh, you know always a candidate to get thrown out of a game because of a because of the targeting rule. But uh, is is an exceptional player on a unit that you don't have many, or, or at least on a unit that you need as many exceptional pieces as possible. So. Hamza would be tough. Rice would be a great candidate. Both of these a little bit undersized. He's had had that nasty ankle injury that he's just kind of gotten back from in the last year. Uh, I think that's a real good one, bud. I do. I don't know about Miko Dotson, but maybe he wants to get like two years in the grad program if if uh, he's going to be as good as some people over there seem to think he will be. Uh, I'm I don't know. I'm not quite as sold on 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 him as, as some of those guys are, but we'll see. Look, here's a name for you. And I, I don't know if like 
if you necessarily want him back because it, he's not even guaranteed to be a starter as a senior. But Cyrus Fagan is is another senior who, if he likes the program, if he likes the staff, maybe he wants to stick around. And for these kids, there's a real opportunity to to pursue a master's, uh, you know, maybe a doctorate in in some of these cases. But like, there's a couple seniors who, who are starting on this team right now. Um, you know, I think Baby on is penciled in as a starter. Love Taylor. Um, on offense, it's mostly not, you know, seniors. Blackman's, you know, Richard Jr. I mean, you could have, if Blackman decides to come back, you could conceivably have James Blackman starting for you in 2022, which is crazy. Uh, I'm not really sure if any FSU fans actually like that idea. This is pretty interesting, man, because there are some guys on this roster who I think are, are decent college players who probably won't be NFL players who, who might fit this bill. Not related necessarily to what we're talking about, but just something. Uh, we've got one more question here, and a guy that I haven't we haven't mentioned really at all that uh, I've heard continues to have good steps, and somebody that I think you need to have in the back of your mind. And Raven Woody continues to have a pretty decent camp, and uh, I know we've talked about how much talent's in that secondary and some of the pieces back there. I would just uh, make sure that people keep note of that kid's name and uh, and not just. Forget about it because his dad's not on staff anymore. An absolute player that uh, I think you're going to see make pretty significant contributions this year. So just a random thought from me. Secondary is loaded, dude. Like it's it's going to be tough to get playing time. Definitely, it's going to be tough to get snaps. But I uh, I think he will. And uh, if if you get snaps this year, you're you're a hell of a player in the back four. I mean, how many guys do you think are are locks non COVID? to get over 50% of the snaps in the secondary this year. Like if they stay healthy, probably Samuels. Uh, yeah, man, I think it's just Sante Samuel and that's it. Like, and now, I mean, Hamsa, if he stays healthy, I probably have to put him there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Is, is would be cause you got Travis J. Mm, I, I love would be good representation of the program, but no, not guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed from a snap perspective. I don't think. What about Akeem Dent? Like, like I, I think Dent's going to be a stud for them, but there's a lot of guys they like. A lot of guys they like, and Dent um, had some great flashes uh, last year, and and also had a you know some real learning moments. Uh, so, yeah, no, I think I think Samuel's or Samuel is about the only one that you can really put confidently in that uh, in that bunch. This is a a spot uh, where. At some of these positions, I'm not necessarily sold that there's been a huge upgrade in coaching at, at the position coach level. Because I actually think some of the coaches they had on the staff last year were, were, were pretty damn good coaches, right? And I think some of those guys, the new coaching staff actually has a lot of respect for. However, I do think that the upgrade in instruction and the defensive backfield is going to be evident to everybody. Uh, not because Harlan Burdett couldn't teach, but I do think that last year, you largely had kind of two different things going on at some times. And they weren't intentionally trying to do two different things. I do think they were trying to mesh the two systems together and they did not correctly do it, right? Or they, they were not able to mesh them together and teach it. So this year, I think that the kids are going to have a better idea of what they're doing defensively in the, in the back seven than they did last year, despite the fact that last year they had a spring. And last year they had they had a real summer, and this year they really didn't. But I, I think that that's going to be evident. I think you will see fewer mistakes as far as coverage busts, fewer guys pointing fingers at each other as somebody runs wide open. Hello, Miami game. 
And uh, I mean, granted, that's you know, a kid for them was pretty fast. I, I think you're going to see real improvement in the secondary this year. I really do. And that could help kind of quell some of my concerns about the pass rush if you're able to blitz more and, and hold up in the back end. All right, let's end it on this one. Uh, pretty good show tonight. Patrick from the Patreon says, teams that are taking off the fall season, like in the Pac-12 and Big Ten and others, will suffer next year because they will have minimal recovery time between their new spring season coming up and summer workouts and camps in the summer before the next fall season starts. Seems they are going to be riddled with lingering injuries and no opportunities for cleanup procedures as well as fatigue. Uh, Buy or sell? Uh, We're certainly entering into a world of the unknown here, Patrick, and I'm not not trying to skirt out from... From answering your question, I think it's exceptionally valid, uh, particularly, you know, the the little cleanup procedures that are needed. I, I think you'll see, I think you'll see a, um, you know, obviously spring will be impacted as far as the ability to have a, a spring uh, session that'll probably get moved into the summer. It'll probably be, you know, more or less like a, a non-contact period would be my guess. Uh, where you can meet, you can have the concentrated, you know, meetings that are allowed during spring as far as the time and the practice time and stuff. I imagine that it'll be shorts and shorts for almost everybody. Now, Bud, you have a better idea as to that. I'm encouraged and excited to hear your opinion as to what that might look like. Uh, As I said, this is all the world of the unknown, but I think, Patrick, you bring up a good point. You know, I mean, there's injuries uh, that will linger. In my opinion, it'll impact uh, when kids declare, uh, it'll impact the composition of your roster. Will it be necessarily like an advantage? Yeah, I could foresee it it being some, but I think it's more just that all these other teams and programs are going to have to go through a period of, of the absolute unknown and, and label me skeptical that any that we get P5 spring football. I mean, I just don't know how that's going to work. And I know that everybody's talking, or at least the two conferences are talking about moving to it. Uh, but I'm I'm still skeptical as to how all that will work. So that's my opinion. As someone who has to generate and coordinate content for the entire network, I really hope that we have spring football because that would be incredible and a great way to make up for some of the lack of off-season stuff we've had. I'm also very skeptical that we are going to be able to pull off Power 5 spring football. But if we do, you're exactly right. Uh, so I will sell the question here. I think we will actually have uh, equal or lesser contact over a one-year period than if we had just spring football where guys just absolutely bang on each other. I mean, some of these spring football practices are pretty damn intense because the coaches know they have the whole offseason to recover. Uh, and so I, I totally agree with you. I'm going to sell because of the, the reasons we, we just listed. Now, Patrick, to, I think to the spirit of his question, if they played a spring football season and the practices looked like you would have in a regular football season, then I think his his assumptions there are exactly correct, right? Um, the only real real change I think you would have is the guys who would normally have have you know surgeries in like February or March. They probably wouldn't have it now. Like they would have to put them off, and so I think they would be a little bit later in recovering because skipping spring football is different than than skipping like spring football practice. All right, y'all. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed this episode. It's been nice to do one that's almost uh, entire sports-related, not too much hypothetical to schedule or cancellations or whatever else. Truly enjoyed it. Uh, great to be able to 
talk about football and we'll all keep our fingers crossed that uh, we're able to do so for the continuation of the next couple months. Thank you as always to you, the listener, our sponsors, everybody that's made the Nolcast possible. Uh, we look forward to doing this in the near future. And until next time, this has been the Nolcast. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles. Thank <laughs> you.